0: very good day welcome everybody to the podcast for the 4th of October 2022 well our weather has been uh, slightly autumnal over the last day or so uh the Intense heat that we suffered during the summer has taken a long time for things to slow down. Uh, at last, it is a little cooler. And basically, um, Neil, not with me this week, and Barbara-Anne stepping into the breach. So, welcome to you, barbara Ann.
1: Yeah, hi, Vince. Hi, everybody.
0: So, uh, what have we got for you this week? Don't forget, we look for things that are in the papers... But somehow I feel I'm not being discussed in certainly a spirit that maybe um, myself and my guests in the studio um, might sort of see this. But anyway, we'll start off by looking at uh, eco-protesters. That's where we're going to start with today. Eco-protesters. So, without any further ado, here we go. So eco-protesters who smear the government as genocidal paralysed central London for hours on the day before I was reading this particular article as they unleashed a planned month-long campaign of mayhem. Members of the group Just Stop Oil occupied four bridges in the capital causing gridlock on busy roads before converging on Parliament. The protests were start of an October uprising revealed last week in an undercover investigation uh, by the Mail. This was on Sunday. Just Up Oil boasted it had brought central London to a standstill by blocking four key bridges to Westminster, Waterloo, Westminster, Lambeth and Vauxhall. Um... Okay, we don't live in London, we see things on TV, we have our own way of maybe seeing whether this is something that would annoy us. Um, and for myself, I really can't understand how somebody can be uh, penalised by um, maybe a traffic warden or something for leaving their car a foot outside a box that's been marked on the road. And yet these people can come along and bring parts of London and other places, but certainly London from this particular article, to a standstill. So, first of all, uh, are they right to protest? And then is the government, are, are the authorities being rather strange with the way they're reacting to this?
1: Well... Um, obviously, we're all concerned about the planet, um, but I don't think it's necessary to disrupt, uh, especially the capital city. Um, it's not going to do anything. Um, England is a very small place compared to all these other places that have got all the, um, you know, the 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 smoke and everything and the uh, bad vibes. England. Uh, from what I can see, are doing a lot for the Green the green Party. Um, so to disrupt how they are doing it, what do they expect the government to do to sort of suddenly change everything overnight? I mean, if everybody knows what we have to do. Everybody is aware of um, the rubbish, the plastics, uh, you know, the, the fuel and all that. So let's just get on with this. I mean, these uh, protesters aren't making any headway. Everybody knows that what we have to do. So they are just being disrupted, really, to, you know, for me.
0: OK, this is a mixture of some quite old retired people who are extremely academically well qualified and obviously uh, some younger activists who basically are creating a lot of mayhem in a capital city of Europe. What I can't understand is that um, if you were to put each of these out of their comfort zone, and we're all going to probably suffer from this this year, which is less uh, electricity, less um, gas to heat the homes and cook our food and things like that, Um, And obviously the big one, which is what they're protesting uh, or at least using to protest the business of driving the car, it would appear to me that this is more than just being manipulated. I think, quite honestly, this is being orchestrated by various factions who have albeit tenuous links, but I think they've got links to communist parties and very... Uh, Weird people who basically are trying to create absolute mayhem on Britain. And, and, you know, when you look at England and the UK and Britain um, in its sort of smaller than expanding forms, as you say, they are trying probably more than anywhere else to create a better um, climate if you like, for people to improve their environment and less emissions and that sort of thing. But these type of protests do annoy me because if you look at um, the likes of um, certainly China, certainly India, certainly America, certainly Germany and places like that, it doesn't seem really that clever for people to... um, pick on the United Kingdom I mean geographically looking down from space it's one of the smaller countries in size which seems to be doing a lot more than other countries anything you'd like to add to what I'm saying
1: Yeah. well exactly what you've just said I mean if you look at the map of the world we are one of the smallest places and from my mind they are doing a lot to um, you know to to, uh, they don't bring cars into the city or a bus going in uh, they're very hot now on the electric car um i just um, i think they're working towards it and they're very aware of it so these protests are really just not necessary to disrupt um the capital city of england i would say i think they just they've got nothing better to do to be honest <laughs> you know but um it's not pushing it forward any yeah, but I agree
0: they've got nothing better to do um, in the respect of, uh, you know, it's a remark which means that they should be doing something else. But realistically, they are obstructing people going about their legitimate jobs and uh, the legitimate, legitimate business. What I object to is the fact that that the authorities don't seem to be um, pulling these people in and basically um, giving them the punishment commensurate with the uh, uh, amount of inconvenience yes, they're but, causing. But,
1: but what they'll say is it's their human right to protest and, uh, you know, that's what they'll turn around and say and say, you know, that's what the, their right is to protest about something. Okay, I'll
0: move on and we'll come to our second story of the day. So now another article that I picked up in the newspapers during the week, local councillors have been accused of telling sob stories about how they are struggling in the cost of living crisis to ensure their own pay rises after they rejected debating a £660,000 boost for free school meals moments before. Now these were the Tories at Central Bedfordshire Council unanimously voted against debating a motion for an inflationary 10% uplift to the 6.6 million free school meals budget which provides just 82 pence worth of food per child per day after other costs. Millionaire Tory cabinet member. Councillor Steve Dixon, who's one of the largest shareholders in a major UK developer, said that it doesn't matter if you live in a cottage or a manor house. We're all affected by cost of living increases. The motion to boost the authority's free school meals budget made by independent opposition councillor Gareth Mackey um, on the 22nd of September was directed um, to this council executive who appear unlikely to approve it Um, and yet they uh, had put sort of other things which were to their own benefit um, ahead of these uh, school meals for children. Now uh, Bedfordshire doesn't spring to mind as a deprived area but if we look at that as a guide into the bigger picture which is basically whenever we see uh, like the Tory government have just had to backpedal with Liz Truss saying she's not going to put this um, tax cuts the way that they planned it. And of course, the absolute mayhem they caused in the money markets by the lack of thought and consideration, or at least what would appear to be that to me. Um, I, I would have thought if you're debating a boost for free school meals for children, That should really be a priority if you do have enough children uh, to warrant that. Now, we don't get that information on that particular article, um, but um, I know these things are written to make us feel annoyed, but this guy who's a millionaire talking about, you know, feeling the the pinch, if you like, you know, that there are... um, uh, Obviously, everybody's feeling the pinch. I think the problem is, it's how people perceive as well as how people do feel the pinch if you've got a million uh, pounds okay you might have bigger houses you might have access to better cars and that sort of thing but um, it still means that you're better off than people who don't have access to things like that Um, I mean how do you feel about um, school meals and and children getting that
1: We all know. We all know. I mean, all over the world, that the cost of living has risen, um, especially for food. I, in my lifetime, um, when I was younger, obviously, and when I was when I was first married, you know, a young mum, I've never ever experienced having to go to a food bank. Um, I know we we weren't on a fantastic wages. I didn't even go to work. I was looking after the children. Um, but we always had enough. We um, but I've never known anything like these food banks. So to say that um, they're not going to rise uh, the um, per child 80 something up a little bit, It's just double standard really, because at least if a child has one good nutritious mo- meal a day, It'll it'll help and benefit the families because the families who are having to go to uh, food banks for baked beans, spaghetti, all the basic um, essentials, bread, potatoes, at least the mother and or even the father, if it's one parent families, know that the child has had one decent meal per day, and and to say that that's not a priority, it just it just. I don't know, it just um, surprises me that the government feel like that.
0: What would you say to somebody whose answer was, well you've got to start budgeting a bit better. And, for example, you know, if you smoke, um, you've obviously got to take that into consideration. Uh, you know, if, if all the family have got mobile phones, um, th- these are luxury items. Yeah, but
1: that, th- having, having a phone and, uh, and not so much smoking, but you know, you could, obviously, the parents could cut down on that. But this was all before this um, crisis of the food, wasn't it? The, the food uh, c- uh, cost of living going up and up and up. I mean, in the last, I would say, five years, three years, I don't five, at least five years, we've heard over and over again how the cost of living, but now it's uh, ridiculous, you know? So it's a, in a small way. Um, at last, they're helping the people that are at the bottom of the pile. As you say, somebody that's earning a million, or has a, a beautiful house and all that carry on, they don't really, really feel the pinch. I mean, you know, they might Not be, in the same way, anyway. Not in the same way. I mean, we've got friends on benefits uh, on, with a set, set amount of money per week with two or three children or two children minimum, and they know exactly how much they can spend in the supermarket. And if, if the prices have gone up in the supermarket per week or per fortnight... You know that cuts a big hole in their budget so they go to the food banks to to make the difference up so to, to have a, their own child have um, a decent meal or a, a nutritious meal must take a, a weight off parents uh, minds okay
0: um, we've got lots to get through so I won't stay too long on these things here comes the next one Okay, we're looking next at an under fire uh, transgender children's charity. And a, this is according to the report, they are giving advice to 16 year olds on how to change their names without their parents' knowledge. Now, the Charity Commission has confirmed they are assessing concerns about um, uh, this particular um, organisation called Mermaids, uh, and I was talking with Neil last week about them, and I'll tell you a bit more about what we were talking about. Uh, well, in fact, it comes up next, after they were accused of giving chest-flattening devices to young girls against their parents' wishes. It's now emerged the group has partnered with Leicester Uh, Latham and Watkins, the world's second largest law firm, to offer advice to 16 and 17 year olds on how to legally change their name. The Telegraph uh, reported that an online clinic operates quarterly where teenagers can attend on your own or on their own and and lawyers answer the questions. Uh, The last clinic was on September the 5th. So this is all up to fairly up-to-date news an advert reads you can also change the title like miss mr mix mx for example this will allow you to get all your own uh, or your child's documents like passport bank accounts medical records changed to the new name the mail has contacted latham and watkins llp for comment now It comes as Harry Potter author um, J.K. Rowling slammed celebrities and organisations who had publicly backed the charity without doing due diligence, as other critics called, for an official probe into their practices. Celebrities who have publicly backed mermaids include the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, the Harry Potter star Emma Watson, mermaid staff offered to send a breast binder to a girl they believe was only 14 after being told she was banned from using one by her mother and according to the investigation by the uh, otley telegraph the charity has been offering binders to children as long as th- as young as 13 despite the parents saying they oppose the practice the newspaper also said the charity's online help center tells children who present themselves as young as 13 and 14 that hormone-blocking drugs are safe and totally reversible. Now, this is a claim which is refuted by experts as there is little evidence of the long-term impact of the powerful drug. Mermaids is taxpayer-funded. It supports transgender children and their families, runs training for schools... And some NHS trusts, many of whom are facing calls to sever ties to the organisation. Now, before we start discussing this, I feel it's only fair to disclose to our listeners that um, we don't have trendy left-wing views. You can understand that for yourselves when we discuss it. My reasoning for this is because, basically, um, a lot of this is like undermining the, the, the parents now when I was 16 I went through a very tough sort of period with my own parents at home um, I know that I didn't see my dad's point of view very often I certainly do see my dad's point of view these days and my mum was always as supportive as she could be being stuck in the middle Of course, I think mums have changed over the years. They probably, um, it's a little bit easier to actually have a mother give, you know, what she really does think um, to the recipient of whatever the um, information or the advice is necessary. First and foremost, as a mother, how would you feel if you had a 14-year-old daughter who could go to this particular group, the mermaids, and be told that she could do something that you didn't want her to do. How would you feel?
1: Well, I, I'd feel absolutely awful. Um, uh, they, they're always sort of saying that uh, you're responsible for your child uh, for protection and everything until they're 18, at the minimum. Um, and a good parent, a good parent usually advises your children. A good parent listens to your children and I think a good parent, your children will talk to you about any problems. I think a lot of the problem these days is some parents haven't got the time to spend to talk to their children. They're either both working uh, and they don't listen um, and the child feels that they can't talk to parents Luckily, we we were I I was fine with our par- our children. I, if they had a problem, I'd say, "Is everything okay at school? Is everything okay?" They say, "Yeah, yeah, everything's okay." But some parents, I think, don't even ask those questions, and this is the reason they go on these websites um, to talk to complete strangers about things because. Again, some parents just can't see it, you know. They can't see that their child is in need of something. But regarding the the charity about binding and things like that, I don't agree with it. I really, really don't agree with it. If a child is your responsibility by law till they're 18, then it's your responsibility to sort of advise them uh, that that this is not the way to go, you know. It's... um, It's taking your responsibility away from you.
0: That's a good point because, quite frankly, I think this is being missed in the press all the time. It's also being missed very often on the programmes that you'll see on the TV and listen to on radio. If you are, by law, charged with looking after your children and making sure they don't disrupt things for everybody else then I would imagine that the same should go for matters of guidance. Now, I didn't know about chest binding, I'd never heard of it, but it would appear that when you've got the likes of these celebrities who are wading in, probably with very little or no knowledge of the subject anyway, um, and when you read that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex... Are you know, um, don't forget, I'm reading this as information that's coming from the newspapers. I can't tell you that that's totally gospel, but there, if they are claiming there that these people, like the Harry Potter star Emma Watson, um, uh, are, are busy trying to advise children as young as 13 and 14. Well, I know at 13 and 14, many children are are finding it difficult just to find out who they are and try and get on with the life without causing too many problems to everybody else. Having said that, as a teacher, putting on my teacher's hat... I've been to many, many places where the children have got far too much access to far too much information that they really aren't ready to take on board. Um, You know, part of the teaching remit is that you have an age and a stage and therefore you don't teach certain things until people are ready to learn about them. Google doesn't have the same constraint. Um, These people like the Mermaids and, and uh, these other organizations, um, I don't think they sound as if they're as accountable as they should be.
1: Yeah, but what about, um, yeah, if they do it uh, without the parents knowing and things go wrong, who's resp- who, who will take responsibility then? I mean, if the parents don't know what they're doing and they don't know and things go wrong, like they say everything's safe, whose responsibility would it be then?
0: Okay, we'll move on to our next topic. Now, what might be something that I see a lot more of because I'm looking for material to discuss on the internet is. I do notice that a lot of the online uh, sites, they have far more grammatical uh, problems with getting the story over right. Uh, They also have the little videos that they want to shock people with. And I picked up one during the week which showed you um, this particular guy who was um, walking in front of a car... Now, the car was honking for him to move because he was in the middle of the road before the guy is knocked to the ground by an onlooker. In other words, somebody comes running out to get him out of the way. Uh, So online viewers debated who was more in the wrong. The incident occurred in Melbourne, and uh, I read this in the British press. Uh, So, okay, it's happened on the other side of the world. But I can remember this happening In places where I've been driving a car, you know, you've got some people wondering whether the man was deaf for for one reason why he didn't move out of the way. Others said his attacker had gone overboard in knocking him out of the way. Uh, th- this is a, a very difficult one, really, because first and foremost, people shouldn't walk in the middle of the road stopping the traffic. Now, I'm quite comfortable with that statement. I don't have a problem. I don't think it's not being uh, against woke people or anything like that. All I'm saying is that, you know, the road is there to be used by the drivers of cars, and um, at the moment it's become even more difficult because you've got to keep your eyes peeled for the likes of scooters, you've got bike lanes, you've got jaywalkers, and now here you are driving along with a guy who won't get out of the way. So somebody at the side has taken the law into his own hands and come out and rugby tackle the guy to the side and get him out of the way of the car. So, my first thought is you can't do that because, unfortunately, uh, as one or two of the people have said, the guy, the guy could be deaf. The guy could be totally, and I've done this myself, walking along, not really thinking too much about where you are. You're thinking about something else that's on your mind. And you didn't really mean to upset anybody, but, uh, you know, if somebody just quickly honked, the uh, the car horn, then basically you would, um, you know, you you get out the way quickly. Uh, I think for me that is fairly quickly the way I would handle that. I would be patient as much as I could be. Uh, how do you feel? Uh,
1: well, exactly that. If I was driving a car and he was um, in the middle of the road, I'd beat my horn first and to sort of make him aware that somebody was behind him. I wouldn't sort of hassle him or anything like that. But um, if he insisted on walking in front of the road, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't uh, upset me if a passerby just went up to him and said, look, you're in this, you know, I wouldn't rugby tackle him. I wouldn't um, think that was a good idea. But what he should have done is just go up to him, and explain, you're in the middle of the road and there's a car behind you, you know, and just sort of steer him over to the pavement. Um, I think it was unnecessary to do a rugby tackle. Um, I think if it was me, I'd be patient enough for the car. But it might have been more than one car. It might have been a line of traffic that he was holding up. So the, 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 um, the person that was trying to help should have really just sort of steered him over to the left or the right and explained that he wasn't he could have been on drugs he could as you say he could have been deaf he could have had alzheimers and he could have been confused so it didn't need him to be uh, rugby tackled
0: okay i think we're uh, we're agreed with that one which is good so let's move on <laughs> my normal guest on this particular podcast is neil colborn not available this week so uh, neil back next week okay so i'm looking at a piece that i was reading today dr amol arora a researcher at cambridge university uh, is arguing that uh, devices that are being used at the moment may affect child development for a number of years and also for a number of reasons When they ask a question, they receive a specific and concise answer. Now, I'll just give you the background to why this article was written. Uh, This particular person went to uh, somebody's house and they were sort of using Alexa. And the guy was... um, Laughed at because he was polite to Alexa, you know, Alexa, please can you put on uh, whatever the record was or something like that? And it was the reaction of the host who seemed to think that you didn't need to say please or thank you because it's a machine. Anyway, um, when they now I'm reading again when they ask a question they receive a specific and concise answer but this goes against how children typically learn traditionally children piece together bits of information to create a web of knowledge rather than try to assimilate random facts that don't necessarily tie together or have context or crucially explanation of the reasoning behind the answer So the knowledge they get from the devices may well be technically correct, but it is nowhere near as enriching as if the child has asked a real, live person the question. It gives them the knowledge, but not the understanding, because they don't have to search for the answer. They don't advance their critical thinking or logical reasoning, and it's not just children who are affected either. So he goes on to say, I've noticed this with 20 something doctors who are so used to having every piece of knowledge at their fingertips, thanks to the Internet search engines. They seem to lack the ability to extrapolate and answer any questions they can't Google. So in other words, you know, when one of their patients is in front of them asking something which you can't quickly get. To, to Google and ask that as a question, uh, this is where this particular doctor, uh, researcher at Cambridge University se- seems to think there's a problem. He thinks they lack the ability to problem-solve or use their knowledge to solve Any unusual clinical problems they come up against. If you think that's alarming, consider Dr. Arara's other suggestions that devices like Alexa might also hinder children's social development precisely because voice assistants can't teach them how to behave politely. There's no need to say please or thank you or use a considerate tone of voice. The lack of ability to engage in non-verbal communication makes using the device as a poor method of learning social interaction. While in normal human interactions, a child would usually receive feedback. If they were to behave inappropriately, this is beyond the scope of a smart device. Dr. Aurora argued, in other words, Alexa can't tell them off for being rude – Ready for another depressing fact, research has shown that children in a home with a device speak to it daily while talking to their grandparents only every 10 days. The same poll found that nearly three quarters admitted they didn't say please or thank you when speaking to the smart speakers. I can't help but feel this must affect their interaction with people How do you make the distinction between demanding Alexa play the latest single and asking someone in a shop for help? Okay, now we'll come to Alexa because this is something that we are now becoming more used to. We go to people's houses. Um, We've been in company of a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old who will tell or ask Alexa to play a song, Uh, much to the delight of the parents, who seem to be howling with delight that the machine has pleased their offspring. Do you see the dangers that Dr. Uh, Anmol Aurora is talking about?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, You say it's a machine, yes, it is a machine, but when when I'm talking about um, our grandchildren and children uh, of our friends, they don't particularly... Uh, they know it's a machine, but I don't think it hurts to say, "Please, uh, Alexa, please, can you play whatever?" and thank you, because it's then sort of um, a, n- a natural thing to do with uh, human beings. There, <coughs> I say it, human beings when they're talking to human beings, because if they get so used to just saying "play such and such," uh, that's what they'll be like when they're talking to um, you know people at school their teachers, their friends, uh, they'll start forgetting to say please and thank yous. Uh, I know in some nationalities it's not quite so important, but um, for English people, please and thank you, uh, learning for a child is very important. Um, so yes, I, I, I think uh, it can hinder the politeness and their manners and their respect if they don't speak to A machine and in exactly the same way as they would speak to a human being
0: okay putting on my teacher's hat i can tell you that um for me as a teacher when we've had people that have come from certainly France from Spain and from other European countries and when the children don't bother to say please or thank you, it was something that we used to pick them up on and the children seem quite surprised that anybody challenges that. Now I would also add that any um, parent, any householder who hasn't twigged to this, I would advise you to maybe think about it. If at any moment that your machine is on, you can say to Alexa, Alexa, play whatever the song is. That means that somehow the artificial intelligence is listening to you speaking, or whoever it is, that will issue the command. Now, I don't know how far you feel about artificial intelligence. If you work with some of the, the material that I work with... And you can see that the artificial intelligence is already now into the hotels in the likes of China and in Japan. And you look at the economies where people won't be working because these basic jobs are now going to be done by robots. If you can't see because obviously maybe you haven't lived through the same amount of years that certainly myself and other people will have lived through, if you can't see that one of the biggest problems is giving people enough meaningful work for them to feel respected and valued. This is one of the dilemmas we have in society Is a general comment, and it's a specific when it comes to using artificial intelligence and by that, I'll add in the use of robots. Now, um, do you have any thoughts on those kind of issues?
1: Well, I, yes, I, I'm all for um, progress and, uh, you know, th- inventions and things like that. But as you, as you say, um, you know, it, it's sort of taking over a little bit, isn't it? I mean, the first that I knew about um, in China or, or th- they went um, into a hotel some friends and there was no humans there, they were all robots and they thought it was really funny Um, but at the same time very strange and a bit unsettling because you couldn't actually uh, talk to any human being whatsoever. Um, So if you did have a problem, I just don't know um, how they would react, for instance, if uh, you know somebody had a heart attack for instance in, in the hotel room. Um, whereas you 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 you'd have a human being coming and phoning the ambulance and all that, I I don't know whether it's going down the road of uh, what shall I say? You know, less jobs for for humans and more jobs for um, robots.
0: Okay, here in Spain, I have to say when I go out and look at the work of the road sweepers. Often I am absolutely, I won't say in awe, because that is using the, uh, the word in the wrong way. But I admire the way the road sweepers seem to take their jobs right. so, um, so much that they want to put a pride in making sure they pick up all the different uh, bits of rubbish that maybe I've seen in other places not particularly swept properly. Um, I also like to try and say hello to anybody sweeping the road as I go past them because I can remember going to an airport in Ibiza and the um, the cleaners had gone on strike and the place looked like an absolute tip. I think that the the problem really is society has got to come to a point where they can look at a job and see that a certain job needs a robot if it's not just for money it's for example when the uh, weather weather is inclement maybe the robot can maybe pick things out in a field yes we've already got a big machinery working in the fields but um, you know we know that not enough young people are working the land so that would be one place for me where you might want to try and try and get more use of robots mm-hmm. and you know by all means get rid of the dirty jobs down the coal mines and places like that that aren't particularly um, wonderful places for people to go and work. Yes, I think let's get as much help as we can from automatic intelligence, robots, and things like that. But I think when it comes to jobs that, um, you know, customer service, for example, you might think it's quite nice to have a robot serve you as a little bit of a uh, surprise for the first time But realistically, it's much nicer to talk to a person.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's a novelty at first. It's like when we went to um, Las Vegas and there was a robot um, you know, in the foyer of uh, the hotel. It was a bit like um, the Star Wars one. I can't remember the name of him now. Uh, And it was funny, you know, but you still, as you say, I, I can't understand why people can't see that you still need to speak to a human being about a problem um, that you've got on holiday or wherever you are, really, in a job. Um, But everything's so fast now, isn't it? Everybody wants everything done quickly, with less hassle. But what happens when the robot breaks? I mean, does everything just collapse?
0: Okay, let's move on. OK, this is looking at celebrity and um, a particular morning star, Phillips Schofield, uh, reportedly has been dropped as the one million pound face of webuyanycar.com as the fallout uh, from widespread claims that he and his co-host Holly Willoughby jumped the 14-hour queue to see the Queen lying in state. Uh, that still ongoing. The ITV presenters battling a huge backlash for apparently skipping the line into Westminster Hall to pay respects to Her Majesty the Queen. Uh, They've even faced calls to resign from their lucrative jobs with This Morning, the television show, with a petition demanding they quit or be sacked, gaining 75,000 signatures. It's now emerged that Schofield's contract from We Buy Any Car has been allowed to lapse, while the company is reportedly shooting new ads next week without the television star, and he no longer appears on its website in the wake of um, again, I don't like the way these things are written. I'm just reading from the article that uh, I picked up as we want to discuss it. Um, anyway, the We Buy Any Car which purchases second-hand vehicles for cash was among several brands teased in the wake of the scandal with memes changing their branding to We Jump Any Q shared widely on social media. Um, now, uh, for example, we hear on the reverse of this. People like the Good Morning Britain presenter Susanna Reid also waited for seven hours with her mother to file past the coffin as well as uh, such celebrities. Um, uh, some names which I didn't, un- I don't know, so I'm not going to even mention those. But uh, the, the point really um, that this is about to discuss is realistically are you anywhere near my point of view that to have somebody earn uh, that sort of money just to be a um, person that tells us the name of a company uh, am I right in thinking if you are in a job that pays that sort of money you've got a responsibility to everybody whether or not they completely jumped the or didn't I could not tell you all I do know is that the paper has whipped up and other um, um, articles around the system have also whipped up a fury against these people but it's typical isn't it of when you get people being built up In Britain by the press. They soon want to knock them down over something. Having said that, you know, um, to the best of my knowledge, it's not an offence to jump a queue. I I shouldn't really spring to his or Holly Willoughby's defence, but there isn't an offence to jump a queue.
1: No, th- it, it isn't an offence, but I think out of respect from the thousands of people that were queuing, uh, one of the people that you didn't mention was um, David Beckham, who queued, I think he said, for 14 hours. Um, it's all this thing about, you know, we're all in the same boat together, we all wanted to go and see the Queen uh, and pay our respects, so why didn't they just queue like everybody else and nobody would have... Nobody would have bat an eyelid, but for somebody, they said they were working. Well, they weren't working because they weren't, uh, they just walked past. They didn't say anything or do anything. They just did it like everybody else. Um, So that sort of claim that they were working, uh, to me, wasn't a valid excuse.
0: Okay. let let me just quickly say that we we don't know that for, for a fact, so we can't really, you know, get too deeply into that. My point, really, is the way that the media, you know, puts people up on pedestals when they shouldn't be there. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a job. same as, you know, when I was working on the radio, I think it, it, it's necessary to remember that every time you go out from that radio station, you represent the radio station. If, as a teacher, when I was working in the school, every time I go out from the school, I represent the school. So, um, basically, we don't have enough information to really make it a hanging offence. And, to the best of my knowledge, it is never, ever has been a hanging offence to jump no, a queue it's, anyway.
1: It's just a matter of uh, respect, really, from other people who are queuing. You just don't do it. I mean, it's like a queue in a shop, Um you don't see somebody just—it's not a hanging offence—but if somebody started barging in front of you, it'd be—it would be uproar. I mean, I know English people are, are well known for queuing, but that's the whole point. If you—you've got to be patient. You've got to—if you want—if they wanted to do what they did, uh, see the Queen at the last time, they should have been patient like everybody else. And as you say, y- you—you—they you, are put on a pedestal. She is a lovely uh, presenter, you know, very friendly, she looks very nice. And, um, you know, if you saw her in the queue, you'd think, oh, she's just like us, you know, she's queuing the same as us. But I think what annoyed and upset people was that they felt they had the right or there, was, there wasn't there was a problem about them uh, going you know, going
0: ahead of everybody. Well, as the majority of this seems to be aimed at Holly Willoughby, uh, sorry, not at Holly Willoughby, but at Philip Schofield, I would even suggest that it's possibly the way that Philip Schofield treated his wife and when, you know, he came out on her and everything. uh, There didn't seem much media support for the wife and there seemed to be just this... Uh, sort of showbiz sympathy for Philip Schofield. I'm going to move on because that's a difficult area to really discuss. Um, So uh, we'll go next to uh, Qatar. OK, uh, again, this I am reading because based around my own feelings that Qatar should not be where we're having a World Cup. There's enough evidence to show you that there was a lot of shenanigans for them to get the contract. Uh, plus, um, we'll wait to see whether it really is a bit too hot to be playing uh, a World Cup game of intensity. Um we would just have to wait and see that, but I, th- I just felt it was totally the wrong vent uh, place to go to. And this article I read um, in the Times: the family of a British travel executive found hanged in a Qatar hotel room days after he was tortured by secret police. Said England's football team should keep his unexplained death in mind during the World Cup. Uh, don't forget these. I haven't even seen or heard anybody talk about this. Uh, Mark Bennett's family don't believe he killed himself and have called on the footballing world to take a hard look at which countries get to host tournaments. In a statement, the family said the barbaric regime of Qatar has been trying to create the veneer of respectability, uh, but the England and Wales football teams and supporters should be very worried. We hope players and fans alike will pause to think about what happened to Mark Bennett. If this can happen to a strong, intelligent and kind man with a world of experience behind him, then all of us should be very worried indeed. The 52-year-old had been headhunted to boost the regime's tourism trade ahead of the tournament. But after he resigned from Qatar Airways and considered a job with the rival Saudi firm, he was arrested at the state airlines office in Doha in October 2019. Mr. Bennett was taken blindfolded and handcuffed to a security detention centre where he claimed he was stripped naked and tortured over his Saudi contact. The father of three was allegedly blasted with high-pressure hoses, slammed against walls and subjected to sleep deprivation techniques while held for three weeks. But Mr Bennett was left in legal limbo, not knowing if he would be rearrested or allowed to return home to the UK before he was found hanged by a receptionist on Christmas Day. Mr Bennett's death had been labelled a suicide by local authorities, but West Sussex Coroner's Court refused to record a conclusion of suicide, saying that was not sufficient evidence. His widow, Nancy Bennett, 51, has said she may never know what happened to her husband in his final hours. Um, Mrs Bennett from Sussex visited the room where he was found and said the regime's claims of suicide didn't make sense. The Foreign Office was under pressure last night after it closed Mr Bennett's case without a single minister ever contacting his family. Officials dropped it a week after Liz Truss became foreign secretary on September the 22nd, uh, one month before she visited the Emir in Qatar. Um, We felt our questions went to the very bottom of the filing tray. We got replies, but they were very bland, basically saying we've done what we can. Mrs. Bennett's mother, uh, Mr. Bennett's mother, Mickey, 81, told the Times. Now, that is... ...really quite an indictment on the authorities in Qatar. It's coming from a respected source... ...and it would appear that um, the England and Wales football authorities... ...knew at the time that all this happened... ...that this particular regime and these particular areas of the world we're not where we should be playing football tournaments like the World Cup. That's my feeling. I feel quite strongly about the whole thing. I like football a lot. I don't like to be um, against the football authorities. But I think in this case, we've seen other articles written about David Beckham's money that he's got for becoming the ambassador. Uh, But this is a little bit different. Um, You know, where we're reading about tortured by secret police now i can't verify this but all i can tell you is that this is in the press so therefore i won't be the only person that's reading it okay um now i know you like your football um what about qatar and what about that particular article
1: well it's a big surprise isn't it to uh, i would imagine millions of people as you say people sometimes don't see these articles and um they don't make a big thing of this, but uh, it looks like there's something not not quite right there. Um, but they are very, very strict over there about what they can do. And they, they seem to have a law onto themselves about what they can do. Um, obviously, I'm sticking up for the women of the, um, of being more or less um, controlled by men. Um, and in this day and age, it's not really acceptable. Um, but the, the, i think um, aunt england and wales uh, they're doing a sort of some sort of not protest but they're wearing armbands about having everybody equal yeah but we've had but all this
0: wearing armbands I know, and, and I know. you know little li- li- little ribbons on our boots and all this sort of stuff yeah. you know you're never going to stop these regimes like that no. the only way to stop it is you don't let them join in to something exactly. they want they you want sh- this forum
1: they they yeah and they should be isolated they should be you know, as you say that we shouldn't really include them on anything really until they change their laws for their women i mean the women are so suppressed aren't they that uh, it, it just i just can't believe it you know they'll have they're quite the men are quite happy for them to have their babies and their children and all that and they don't give their own women and wi- wives um the freedom that most of the world have I just can't understand Well, they've got
0: so much money there because of their uh, deposits underneath their their land that, unfortunately, it doesn't really matter what the rest of the world think. And to actually have something they could have bargained with and said, well, look, if you do this, then we'll play that. But no, they didn't. We've just got time for one more. So um, I'll quickly move on and say, here's our last talking point. Okay, this is something that um, I had no knowledge of, and I wondered whether or not you've heard about it. When Daniel Asadi was 14, he was told by his doctor that his growing phase was all but over. He said, I was pretty much done, and... um, At nearly 5 foot 7, Daniel was already a reasonable height, but the words were still a stab in the heart. It's really hard for a lot of people to understand, but I couldn't handle it, he says. It was this one thing I didn't have, and it was on my mind day and night. Not anymore. In May last year, 11 years on from that distressing doctor's appointment, Daniel, then 25, underwent leg lengthening surgery to gain the height he so desperately craved, um, I had never heard of this. Did Did you know that existed?
1: I didn't know it existed for for you know for the truth. I mean, a long, long time ago, we did see um, a play or a drama on the TV, and it was a, a, one of those things. She was ugly, and she changed from uh, you know her facial first, and then she did have a leg extension. But I I just thought that was a bit sort of uh, what's the word um, when well, it's not well, real. Yeah, okay, surreal. Yes, yeah, surreal. surreal. It just it was just one of those things. Um, but I've never heard of it that it actually does happen.
0: Okay, just as we finish off because we only have a last minute now. Um, I mean, we're getting to the stage where we all think, or, or it seems that the papers tell us that we all think that we can do what we like and uh, really you know as long as the technology can do it then any kid aged 12 13 or 14 just goes down to the local centre tells them I don't like whatever it is A B or C and expect the body to be changed I think this is very very dangerous uh, territory and uh, unfortunately we're mixing um, natural sciences with technology which I'm afraid is taking us into areas which I don't believe are the right areas Um, as a mum as as somebody that obviously has brought children into this world what are your thoughts
1: well i think it's terrible i think it's taking the family con- um the family unit away um from from its from his responsibilities and its love for the for the children um these people that are outside the family uh, just think they can control your children uh, without any um uh what's the word any um
0: Okay, while that word is being (laughs) sought, um, we're just coming up to the end of our hour together. Um, All I'm thinking of is realistically, uh, if we're going to get rid of dangers um, and in particular illnesses and physical defects and things like that Uh, why are we spending money going to the moon and deflecting asteroids and spending all that sort of money let's put it where we maybe should have a better understanding of uh, what we really need Uh, barbara ann thank you very much for your company
1: okay i couldn't think of that word
0: (laughs) good good luck with finding your word
1: It's one of those very
0: special moments in life.
1: I need a cup of tea. Okay, bye.